Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Emperor has been expecting you. Welcome to Hyperspace Hangout, a podcast by Star Wars fans for Star Wars fans. Hey there, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to Hyperspace Hangout. As the fallout of Kenobi, there's still tons (laughs) of stuff. All right, there's still so uh, yeah. much to talk about. We're in this lull now where we're like, okay, there's not Star Wars stuff right. until Andor, which apparently is getting a season two, uh, by the way. Uh, right. So we're going to have to talk about that. Um, but, you know, there's uh, so there's a lot of that, and we have a lot of transmissions to get through as well. So I'm excited. You know, there's a little bit of news. I mean, I did, did we all just forget that Natalie Portman is not only in uh, Thor, she's also in Star Wars? Apparently, Taika Waititi did, and he yeah. directed a movie. So is that good or bad? What does that say? Right, right, dude. Yeah, uh, don't, don't, don't know. We posted some videos. We got some feedback. You know, some uh, some of certainly some of my criticism of uh, Kenobi. Right? Did we we got uh, some feedback on that. Yeah, we got a little. We got a little feedback. Of some, uh, Did we really? Uh, yeah, some seen things, it yet. Uh, <clears throat> as well uh, as some other, hey, there's some other stuff too. You know, we're talking. I want to talk a little bit about maybe the toxic. Star Wars fans, okay. Let's go. Let's go. And and uh, c- companies' responses to how they deal with criticism. I got something yeah. interesting. I'll, I'll pull up for you. So, oh boy, how are we doing, man? Oh, uh, dude, dude, we're doing good. You know, it's interesting, and, and we actually even said in our last episode. You know, we were kind of talking um, just about like the highs of the highs, and then lows, and just the ride that Star Wars is. And that's, I guess, uh, being a content creator too one thing i want to kind of remind folks about too is like i mean we do you know matt and i go through and we 
analyze stuff, right? We're just giving our, our commentary, mm -hmm. our spin on what we think is going on, what we liked, we didn't like and stuff like that. So I guess uh, I haven't seen any, I haven't checked the comments on YouTube in a while. I need to go do that. Cause Ooh. I've just been post, 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 post. So I will go do that. We can do a whole episode too, where we respond to comments. That's always fun because we want you to comment. You know, we want people to kind of leave their responses, send us those transmissions and, uh, and, and get after it. Cause it is fun. You know, at the end of the day, it's sort of like, that's what it's about. Some, some back and forth or whatever. We were just listening to, um, I listen to a lot of different Star Wars podcast content creators. I say that a lot. And it's so wild. You know, you have such a big fandom to have such a different take on different things. You know what I mean? Like just just in, in terms of what you liked or what you didn't like or if you're a sequels fan or a prequels fan, all that kind of stuff. So there's a place for everybody. And the, the cool thing is, is when you go to Star Wars Celebration and you're actually face to face with everybody and you're just kind of around. And if people want to talk about whatever it is in Star Wars, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're kind of like down. You're like there to talk about it. And you're, the, you're like, all right, cool. Because uh, really, it's it's people's positivity or their energy that when they're excited about something that happened that they like and they share that, I always get something back from that. And I feel, you know, really, really good there. And the, th the crazy thing is, dude, Kenobi happened, had its good moments, had a really great ending. And now we've got all this different news, too, about like ways in which it could have been different. Which are also cool. I mean, I, some right. people will read those and say like, oh, man, you know, I wish they would have done that or whatever. But it's also like there's still really cool ideas that we're going to I mean, even, even bring up today. There was a couple force vision ideas dropped that uh, we said it in the last episode. I think um, shout out to Dave Snagarian, Andrew West, these guys who come up with other ideas as to how you could have done more. And I feel like that's when you have a fandom this big and you have people who are really, really into it. Clearly, some people who are more into it than Taika Waititi. You know what I mean? Like, uh, again, he's a apparently. creative. He's a creative, so he's doing his thing. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but it just feels, I guess it feels good. And, and for us in our own little community, it's like fun to kind of speculate about that stuff. It's it's good. But I'm feeling good, man. We were our last, I think it was, yeah, last week I was out there with um with Matt. And it was great. We're back there in uh, September, which is going to be great yeah. as well. We might squeeze in. We'll see. We might be able to squeeze in a quick little something. Uh, but it's just fun to be out there and recording together. And we've got a lot to look forward to. Our our fall, just as a heads up, I think we did this at the end of the last show. Uh, I don't want to mention it at the beginning here. We've got a lot coming up, guys. So we're going to be, Matt and I are going to be on two fronts, like really just killing it because we've got House of the Dragon. If you're a fan of um, Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire, we run that podcast, Bend the Knee. It's great. It's going to kick off and be a huge thing. So if you're into that, uh, come check that out. We'll be talking about the Lord of the Rings series as well, which is coming out. Uh, we're going to be talking about Andor and I think Bad Batch, right? I mean, those are both hitting around the same time. So yeah. I just feel like there's there's so much going on this fall. And that's great because I, when it, you, I'm starting back up. I think you've got some new things coming in your life or whatever. And it's kind of nice to have uh, like a fresh start rolling into those things with new projects and then just... I guess when you're busy and you're you're doing something that you love, but you're busy, it's like it's just cool. It's sick, you know. So yeah, I'm feeling great. No, 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 no. no it's good. It's good. Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's dive uh, dive in here. As by the yeah. way, I have a new yeah. uh, Star Wars fans. When Ez was out here, I was like, I was totally redoing my uh, setup here. So I've, so yeah. if you're watching on YouTube and I'm literally looking all over the place, so now I got three monitors. I've got a fourth one coming. And I've got my mat, so it's like it's so it's cool. all still sort of a still sort of a, a work in progress, but it's uh it's so much more efficient. I'm just still getting a little used to it. So yeah, um, let's start. Uh, yeah, Andor. 
season one. I mean, what are we now that we now that this show is getting in? So we, it has one season, but now it's right. getting two. So what do we think that's going to be? Well, it's it's interesting. So this um, I think this was let me check here. An Empire magazine article came out. The creator, Tony Gilroy. Uh, came out and gave some details really about the structure. And so I want to kind of talk through this and then we'll get Matt's thoughts and you guys can leave us a comment, uh, send us a transmission on this. But season one is going to be five years prior to Rogue One and it's going to span one year of Cassian's life. And the way I look at that is like, it's it's like you have one year where all these things probably happen, these different events that propel him into the rebellion. It's probably like what kind of got him uh, in We'll learn about his earlier life and maybe losses he experienced. I feel like it's going to be an emotional year and it's going to be him sort of learning how to become the spy that he is or the agent that he is. Uh, it's also interesting that in season one, I guess there's 12 episodes and it's the episodes are split into three episode arcs. So each director has three episodes. So it's kind of like episodes one, two and three will be an event some major event that happens and they're going to tell a story in three episodes, which honestly, this sounds more organized than like a lot of stuff that, that you hear about in star Wars, which you wish that learning curve. I wish that happened in earlier projects or whatever, but that's the thing. You've got to have some really good structure to these things. And so to hear this, to hear that they have a season one uh, mapped out, that they've got this director has one, two, and three, the next director then has four five and six and so on feels really good and that's that first year uh of of his life so yeah i guess just thoughts on that then we'll dive into season two here some news for that but man season one is starting to look like it's gonna be awesome yeah for me um i'm gonna go ahead and say that i think season two is going to be really the kenobi season two remember how remember oh, how yeah. like book of boba fett was really like mando season two point right season like 2.5 because we have been saying, um, what would you even do with a Kenobi season two? Yeah, well, that's interesting you bring that up because there is an idea that a lot of things that were mentioned in um, that were mentioned in Kenobi, we're going to see. Like, for example, Reva. Reva could show up somewhere along the line in a Cassian season two arc. Uh, could even show up. Like you could have Kenobi show up. You could have Vader show up. We already believed that Palpatine was going to be making an appearance. Mon Mothma is now stepping up and is going to be this. We're going to get, get to kind of see the, I guess, like the more political side of stuff. You know what I mean? Which is which is great. The, the, the prequels had tons of political stuff. You had uh, Natalie Portman, by the way, who's in the prequels. Who plays? Who is she? Is yes, she has. Who plays Padme? Uh, she uh, she's a great senator from from Naboo. She was queen there. In case you guys didn't know. Sorry, we're just we're just poking fun. Um, but no, it's it's like that. I feel like is going to be really cool to see that side of Star Wars again, right? To see the Imperial Senate. Why did Palpatine keep the Imperial Senate around? Uh, we know by the by the time of Episode Four, he suspends the Senate and. Uh, lets the regional governors start to take control. But right now, the Senate is still this sort of, um, it's still a thing. And Mon Mothma and Bail Organa, right? I mean, couldn't Bail Organa be in this as well? You know, make a cameo somewhere and talk to her? You, you've already got him working in the Kenobi series. Why not have her talk with him as well? This, this whole time period seems to really uh, work. Kenobi is taking place, I believe, just before uh cassian so if it if it's five years prior to 
Rogue One, and Rogue One leads right into a new New Hope, then yeah, Kenobi is is before uh, season one of Cassian. So you've got Bail Organa right there. Leia's you know was ten years old in the in the Kenobi uh, series, and it's going to be a little bit older. You have a lot of characters that this Kenobi season two could show up more in, in a Cassian as cameos, nothing major or whatever, but like could could play a role. I like that idea. Yeah, I just think I think you know because we've said Hayden and Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor both said, "Hey, we want to come back and do more." Well, obviously, it's insanely easy for Hayden Christensen to come back. Like he yeah. could come back and be in, and we said this last time too. He could come back and be in literally as many as as many projects as he wants. Yeah, people would love it. They'd be happy with. I it. mean, whatever. Like yeah. he's Darth Vader. There's you know an infinite basically number of of stories you can tell right uh, about about darth vader because you can have him come back and do stuff that takes place in between four five and six yeah as well so it's not even just the time the time gap you and mcgregor though it's like unless you're going to come back and do force ghost stuff yeah like that takes place later eh, it's a little harder to squeeze you in man it's just yeah your, it's your character it's it's harder to sort of fit you into that time gap Right, right. They have to especially figure out a... because his character's just a guy hanging out in the desert, supposed to be, supposed for to be, the right. Yeah. So we still we still have to see how how that works out. But we had said that we think it makes a lot of sense for them to both appear in other people's projects. Yeah, and it really more Obi Wan to appear in somebody else's project than really get an Obi Wan season two. And kind of as we were saying that. They had kind of quietly announced, oh, yeah, Andor's getting a season two. Right. Yep. Around this exact, yeah, exact same time. Like this Empire uh, interview was just seven days ago. So this has not right. been been out very long. It was right at the end of Kenobi to kind of say, hey, there's also this this coming down the line. Yeah. Now, they may have their own. It, it could just be a totally, you know, do their own thing. And we still could get a season two of Kenobi. Who knows? But I, you know, I think they would want to really be cautious about that and just really think through what they would want to do in first of all and or season two and then secondly kenobi and then do you do you mix him in uh into that you know because well for better or for worse the boba fett show had mando appear in it and right. you know i mean i i don't think going into that we, we thought we might see mando but we didn't think we'd get like an, an episode arc. and a half really like two episodes combined that's like his whole thing yeah because then really even the final episode is is kind of more about him than it is yeah boba i mean it's like grogu shows up and he's like running around with me he's got the dark saber they think they're gonna die he's talking about this is the way you believe in that mumbo jumbo i do right. yeah. yeah i mean it's it's kind of that whole thing there so to me it just makes sense that you you would go this route. I mean, what's you know, especially because remember, um, isn't it in Rogue One? Is it Mon Mothma who asks Bail Organa about your friend on Tatooine? Oh, I was gonna. How does she, how does she know about? How does she know that he is there and on Tatooine? A hundred percent. So Mon Mothma is someone you would trust. The other person, Cassian. Look what Cassian does in Rogue One, where he actually is willing to. It's crazy, but like he kills an informant just so that way he doesn't fall into imperial hands right at the beginning of that movie that guy can't make it he can't get out of there they're passing on the death star plans this is literally top level stuff this could be the end of it all right if he doesn't get this back or if it's a leak that they know something they could change 
the plans or if they, they realize that there's a flaw in the Death Star, like he couldn't let that guy go and be tortured and give information. So Cassian has already proven that he is a guy who could be trusted with a secret like that. And now real quickly, look at season two. So you have it spanning four years of Cassian's life. And they're saying it's either going to be like four major events. Um, so like three episodes per arc. So you've got four different, like the first three episodes would be one year. And either each episode is going to be like an event or it's going to be, we're not really sure exactly how they're going to do that, but there's going to be an event. So you can have a three episode arc where he comes across to Obi-Wan and does something with Obi-Wan. I know that sounds crazy to people, but they've already said, yeah, he could go out and do uh, like he's left Luke. He's, he's left it, left him in safe hands with um, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. And he's training with Qui-Gon. That's good enough for me right now. And then, yeah, it looks like he could be showing up there for an arc. I mean, that, like, like you said with Mando, you get more than you thought. You're like, wow, wait a second. Right. But that the internet bring did... people to the platform. What? Obi if you were in on season two and you heard like episodes three, four and five, they did an Obi-Wan arc. You're going and you're searching that and watching it. Right. And it was one of the things about uh, the book of Boba Fett where everyone's like, eh, who, who wants to watch a Boba Fett show? Well, suddenly Mandalorian's in it. Wait, Luke's in it. OK, well, now I got to go watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so they use their those and that's what you got to be careful with that. But also, I feel like that is almost a better way than doing a season two of Kenobi, unless they really pitch some sick idea that none of us are thinking about and it all works. Right. Then I'm down and but. seeing. Yeah. See, and and yeah, that it makes way more sense. So it's one of these where, where it sort of makes sense. It's like you could do a Luke show. You could do a Mandalorian season three. That's like the problem there is you already have. You know, it was like Boba Fett was an established character in Star Wars. Right. And then so like that was kind of some of the issues with that. And then like they didn't tell the story well enough here. I think I would just have Obi-Wan make like a tiny little cameo or something. But Obi-Wan could totally help out some of these people and, and do. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it, it would feel like it's a, a smaller kind of event where he just went and did this thing, helped out and then went back. And then he's on the radar of Mon Mothma. Uh, Cassian, Bale, and sort of the top secret people can know this because again, Cassian's an intelligence officer. He is in, in intel, like he's trusted with the highest level uh, secrets, which is really cool. It's not just some normal commander. Like, no, he's a spy, um, right? Which is sick. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, yeah, just leave us your thoughts on that, and we can uh, talk more about it as we get closer to Andor. We're still weeks away, but I am excited to kind of see what they do with season one, and then season two. There's a big opportunities, uh, and we're just gonna have to see. So, uh, all right, let's switch ge gears here. Holy cow. So we have a transmission coming in from Andrew. And I wanted to throw this out here. If, if you guys are reading the screen, uh, you, you know what we're talking about already. And, and, hold, and bear with me because people are instantly going to be like, well, that can't happen. Let's read through this real quick and, and see what you guys like. Hey, guys, I had a few thoughts uh, about the connections to the entire Star Wars galaxy I wanted to share. The mention of Quinlan Voss in the Kenobi series has me thinking that there will be a connection to Mando season three only. I truly believe that it might be the armor is Ventress as we have heard more mentions of the night sisters in recent Canon. What do you guys think? I know Ventress is supposed to be dead, but she is a night sister witchcraft and all those things sort of apply here, right? Uh, the armor knows a lot more than the average being in the galaxy about the Jedi uh, that many do not know. My second thought was also a connection to the Kenobi series, which when rewatching and listening to Vader, when he says, quote, you didn't kill Anakin, I did, end quote. 
This makes me rethink what Obi-Wan told Luke in Return of the Jedi about a certain point of view. Uh, all canon changes without changing the story, just the way we understand it. Uh, the certain point of view was not Obi-Wan's, it was Vader's. So Obi-Wan was forthright in telling Luke. This also makes the statement Obi-Wan says in A New Hope when Luke asks what happened to his father, and Obi-Wan pauses, then tells him that Vader killed his father, is exactly what happened, but now we have the full kind of context. Uh, I am excited about the Andor series. I can't wait for it. I think this is going to change um, in more ways the way we think of the Star Wars galaxy. I hope we get Bale in this series because Bale is the man uh, and deserves his story to be told and connected to the Republic and so on. So, yeah, then this whole time before we start uh, the rebellion or whatever. Let me know what you guys think. Great work on uh, making all your connections. All that goodness. Um, thanks, Andrew. We appreciate it, man. So kind of a transmission full of a lot of different thoughts here. But the one that caught that stands out is this idea of because we haven't talked a lot about the Mandalorian. We've been back here with Kenobi. We've been back here with Andor. But the armor is interesting. So whether or not it's Ventress, uh, I, I feel like there is some still intrigue in this. Well, actually, just the idea that Ventress could be brought back to life or reanimated in some way if you wanted to do that for some shadow figure or for some opponent for Ahsoka later on or whatever it might be. I feel like that's still cool. So whether you want to connect Ventress to the armor or just Ventress is back, I kind of like that idea that even just that she could come back, that would be cool because she is um, technically she sacrifices herself for Quinlan Voss. By the way, Quinlan Voss is who she's in love with, sacrifices herself. You mentioned in Kenobi that Quinlan Voss is alive. Matt, it wouldn't surprise me if he loved Ventress and didn't. He, the Jedi are not around. He's already known to have, in Legends, right. drifted to the dark side. And in that book, he fell to the dark side and was with uh, Ventress. Does he not then go try to bring her back to life because of his love and his attachment to her uh, and, and all of that or his remorse? So he's helping with the path. But then does he not maybe go and bring Ventress back to life and they're doing something gallivanting around the galaxy or whatever? Because that's a chess piece we've been talking about, like the path, uh, Cal Kestis, these Jedi who do survive. If they survive during the time of episode four, five and six, does that make sense? Do we care? Are we going to really nitpick about that? Is it cool? What do you guys think about that? Because I've often thought if you wanted to do it, it has to be a Thrawn Ezra Bridger move. Something that you set up prior to three and four has to completely like take those force sensitives led by either Quinlan Voss or Cal Kestis or whoever. like if you want him to live to the time of Mandalorian and not have them, you know, be a big player or on the radar of the rebellion, just move them off the chessboard like you did with Thrawn and Ezra. Somehow there's a way to kind of to kind of just, somehow, Matt, there's that's the key word in Star Wars anymore. Somehow. somehow these things happen and we just have to kind of roll with it. So you've created really cool characters and you have a huge opportunity in the Mandoverse. I always say it's like it has Marvel potential to be yes. like to, to really expand and for them to really make it interconnected. They just they have this big chunk of episodes, you know, four or five and six that you kind of like got to skirt around, you know, so. But I don't yeah. know, thoughts, thoughts on any of that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down for her to come back. I don't know that she's the armorer yeah. um, just because then how do we get to the idea of her? That just seems like a big stretch, like yeah. for her to be the armorer. I, I'm just because 
how is she going to go to then wanting to restore Mandalore and wanting to, um, right. you, you know, I guess like the way and be involved in all that. For me, it's like yeah. we've always said the the idea of who the armor is is like Rook cast potentially, yeah, because yeah, you know she doesn't die. She was already part of Death Watch, and so it's like an offshoot of that. So that's a more sort of natural progression right um even omega uh not that i think she is but that's a more sort of natural progression uh yeah. to to then asajj ventress yeah right yeah um to 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 be the armor but the idea of her coming back just in general right yeah i could i could i could see it it, it feels cool and I, I know why andrew thought of this is because you mentioned quinlan voss and then you know that like there's this there's this void in terms of like we always talk about is Star Killer coming back or is there going to be a Master Sabiath or a figure that's going to fight Ahsoka that would work with Thrawn? And I mean it's like you could somehow bring her back and and do some uh, Night Sister sort of magic and Quinlan could be involved in that. So that's really what caught my attention is I like that and I understand too the idea that the armor knows something about the knows more about the Jedi than a lot of people around that that time. So someone who is familiar with it uh, as you said rook cast or uh omega or who or whoever even even a new character would be fine but i feel like it is somebody that we know and it is someone that's been around they've got an interesting story that's a that's a big question mark that dave filoni and john favreau it's some big reveal that they're going they're working on you know um so we'll just have to kind of th think through that because um i like the idea of it and i also like the thoughts too you know just on on obi-wan's um you kind of kind of just some of that connection between like a certain point of view and what Anakin said to him is what he says to Luke. And so he's kind of skirting around the truth there from, from a certain point of view. So Kenobi did uh, small things like that, that I think, um, you know, help help here and there. Clearly they could have done more actually to, to even sh uh, kind of firm up some of those. I'll never get over. I think it was uh, Dave Snagarian who said the whole putting memories and thoughts into Leia's mind about her mother and sharing a true gift with her like that. Like, God, that kind of blows me away. You could have had a, a Padme uh, reference there or whatever. But no, good thoughts on that. I like that. And I think that's a really kind of cool, cool idea because we haven't had like a, a big opportunity to really theorize about like what's going to happen in Mando season three. We still got stuff happening here in Andor. But again, clearly you've got like Jedi survivors. We got the game coming out. Cal Kestis. We've got Quinlan Voss. Uh, we've got all these different groups, and so this is a, another cool element to kind of throw in the mix and think about as as we move forward. So, all right, okay. Uh, next one here: Taika Waititi forgets Natalie Portman was in Star Wars. Now, look, I, I think a lot of people <laughs> have seen some of the pictures, some of the videos, and stuff like that. Talk about right. it. first and first and foremost. Um, oh. I feel like this thing was blown; has been blown a little bit out of proportion. It's not like because. If you look at Taika Waititi even talking about his Star Wars movie, he sort of made it seem like he's nowhere. This thing is like nowhere close to being like even started. Yeah. It feels like he's like, I don't even he's he's even got, got a re record to say, like recently, like, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I'm still trying to figure out what I even want it to be. So we're, it's not like he has sort of like any idea uh, what this thing is yet. No, <clears throat> I also feel like the way he sort of asked her was like, he was on set with Natalie Portman and they're like filming Thor love and thunder. 
And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm working on this Star Wars project. Like, you want right. to be my Star Wars project? And then she's like, um, I was in Star Wars. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It wasn't. Yeah. I don't think. No. It, it, it's not like he's like penciling it out. Being like, oh, we're going to introduce this character and this character and this character. No. And then like I'll bring in Natalie Portman to play this character. You know, I mean, it's not like. I think it's no. one of those. Yeah. I think it's just one of those. Like you know, you never ask somebody something and then you ask them the same question five minutes later. Like, oh yeah, yeah, well, exactly. I, I really do think it was sort of just proximity. She's on the set and they're doing some small talk or whatever, and he's just chatting about what's going on in his life, where he's going with it, and it's like, oh yeah, you were in those movies. What the heck am I thinking? You know, it's dumb or whatever. It's it's totally just a, a brain fart. It's not anything that's like whatever. Right. I I don't know. I mean, I know people are, are kind of. Like, hold on a second. Like, you you should know that he hasn't what you're saying. And what I'm saying, too, is he hasn't really his mind is not shifted over to truly thinking about Star Wars. This is a guy who has to think about. I mean, he dropped off comic books for this, whatever this run was with um, Natalie Portman. So she could come back as like, a you know, in Thor and be, be right. Thor. So his mind is is there doing research and working with writers and the teams and everything on that. And then he'll he'll shift his mind over here and do this. I mean, honestly, J.J. Abrams was more of a Star Wars fan than than he right. is like he's just you know you come in he's a creative he likes these he likes telling stories and doing these different things or whatever he's not this is why too those teams have producers and writers they hire other people uh, people he's just the director he's coming on to make a really good movie and and direct everything make sure that it's kind of working together he's very has a very good creative mind and people do uh like i've not seen his most recent movie i think you've seen it and uh, it, was, yeah. it was good yeah yeah, so I, think was, I, I wouldn't think it was amazing or anything. Right. But it was it was good. I don't think it was as good as Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, actually, okay. I can be pretty confident that it was not. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've been seeing a couple of things that just um mixed different reviews on it or whatever. But people were kind of like, ah, eh, like kind of like a shrug of the shoulders, like you know, it's got around a seventy on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, that's good. I feel like still, you know, and what they talk about his movie being is something either well before episode one or well beyond episode six or if it does fall in the timeline it's nowhere near the galactic um conflict or whatever right. you know like he could go over and show the chiss ascendancy and do something crazy if you wanted to who freaking knows um so i'm excited to kind of see what it would be i don't know though to be honest with you and i don't normally give these type of opinions but i i normally i'm not so sure that i would want him doing the old republic series no. you know what i mean like a trilogy or something. So yeah, I, just based upon the, I've only seen the first Thor movie and just, I, I kind of feel like he, he does he not well, provide his, a lot of, his, his first Thor movie, his first Thor. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not the one with the uh, uh, elves or whatever. Right. It was the one after that. Right. Yeah. Rag yeah he's Ragnarok, the, the so. third. The, the, yeah. That's the one with the Hulk and yeah. Yeah, 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 which has comedy in it, right? It's got the guy, the right. stone guy. Yeah. I'm kind of, right. you can tell. <laughs> who, Taika, <laughs> who, who Taika Wakiti voices. Oh, does he really? That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, yeah. He, uh, yeah uh so yeah he's got that um i guess you know for star wars you think about disney and like kids and what's funny and what would be kind of cool and what they would be drawn to because people give jar jar a, like a, a lot of flack i loved him as a kid i thought he was cool and 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 growing up now you're like oh it's all right and yeah if, if he were kind of doing something more like that that was more playful more lighthearted, <laughs> i feel i feel good about that but i feel like the old republic is just a little too serious like yeah like i don't know i feel like the tones there would be a little different so um but still you know we'll just have to kind of wait and see we know nothing about it and it's way out there in the future so taika wakiti actually would have been a really good or would be like to me actually he he would make a really good fun 
like Lando movie or even oh, like yeah. a, even a sequel to Solo that's like a yes. sort of like fun. fun. Yeah. Like just like, you know, it's crazy and it's like a lot of yeah, it, like that's what he's really good at. And I feel oh. like that would be he'd be it's not going to be this more like grounded epic thing. Right. But exactly. not that Star Wars has to be that all the time. No, exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. Having that mix, it's why I always felt like Solo, if they go back and look at it, was really a good Star Wars movie. It actually yeah. does a balance of of having some serious stuff and then just really lighthearted but fun and and still has a really good story in it. Like the Beckett stuff is nuts, man. I mean, the whole twist with Beckett at the end, it's like they haven't done. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like that was a really cool thing in, in Star Wars. So don't even get me started because I, I wish that. uh you know, they would definitely would have uh, gone on with the solo too and brought some of those characters back. And hopefully we see them in cameos. But yeah, we'll see. I think this is again, you chalk this up to just him being on set and quickly saying something. And it's not, it's not a huge, it was more of a laughable thing. And he, he told on himself, really. He was sort of like, I better, I better say something about this because that was ridiculous. You know, can't believe I did that. It's almost like when you, you're embarrassed that you even said that. You're like, I better like let people know about this because that's embarrassing. Um, right yeah so but it does but it does it does raise questions about the future of star wars movies because the only ones we have uh announced which is like the taika wakiti movie and rogue squadron both have seemed like they're facing serious like significant issues well and dude this is something that's fascinating too so while we're on this topic real quick it's like disney just announces stuff to kind of keep the hype out there and they're they're almost like they're in the drawing room sort of like, yeah, let's toss this idea out there to the fans and just see what they kind of think. And we'll even kind of maybe tentatively get people involved because they have a whole freaking writer who like wrote the Kenobi trilogy movie one. And then they just, uh, then, then they changed it. They changed it all because of, of solo apparently and stuff. So they're constantly evaluating stuff. It won't surprise me. I mean, Ryan Johnson trilogy has been on the back burner for, for years. If it, if it even ever comes to be a thing, Dan and Dave, were supposed to have a trilogy, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, it won't surprise me if he doesn't actually make this movie. I mean, I, it, it wouldn't surprise me either. I, I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. I, I, I don't know, man. Just uh, continuing my my rant, my ranting over here about how Disney is just. Uh, I don't know what it, it is. is. Yeah, but something something's happened to uh, to Disney, and we did where I wanted to bring up my when I wanted to bring up the 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 comment. And yeah, bring this, it up. Yeah. Some um, well, we just we did a we did a a YouTube video um talking about like Stranger Things versus um oh yeah, Kenobi, and yeah. it was just one of it was just one of these things that I just sort of was thinking about was you know we we had talked about this a little bit of like you know, um when Kenobi was out we were kind of critical of the CG and we got a lot of people commenting on some of our live streams and stuff saying well yeah but like the whole industry has been facing CG issues and this backlog and stuff like that, because it's not just a, um, it's not just a Disney, like in theory, it's, it shouldn't just be a Disney issue. Right. But then we watched stranger things and we said, well, it didn't affect, it didn't uh, affect that. Right. Yeah. And then I don't know. I'm watching the boys right now that it looks good. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I look at some of the Warner Brothers shows that just came out, like Peacemaker. That looks yeah. good. Yeah. And then House of the Dragon is coming. And it's got, I just, oh. I have zero, I have zero. Uh, yeah, we've seen the trailer <laughs> for it. There's we've no. We've seen the trailer for that. There's no. So, yeah. Is it really an industry issue or is it 
a Disney issue. And well, I'm beginning to double down on my idea that no, this is a because it's it's not just Kenobi. Mm-hmm. It is it is like it is Marvel as well. Yeah, well, it's also like, you know, think about this. So we also cover Wheel of Time. And, you know, we talked a little bit about like there is a totally different show than the boys, right? It's a totally right. different budget and all that kind of stuff. But it, it comes down to respect. What are your properties? What right. is your your I mean, your big sort of <laughs> your big problem? You got Marvel and you got Star Wars, right? You've got some pretty big things there in your in your arsenal. And right. you don't. They said this a couple of years ago. You don't want to do so much that you can't really keep up or right. keep track of everything or devote enough of your budget to make a really good product. I almost think. And yeah, that they've that because it's on TV, they're 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 thinking we can kind of get away with maybe right because the brightness issue in Kenobi was ridiculous. I mean, I've not really mentioned it a whole lot, but I've gone around and find, like I know mean, I know that there's like one one episode where if you're going for a darker setting or whatever, but dude, it just uh yeah, there were because the, there were moments that were like really well done in Kenobi, and there were times right. where it was like, hold on a second. So I'm I'm kind of yeah. with you, and I think you can see it in different um. It's also weird because they're using the volume and they're trying to do different stuff there too. But you gotta, I guess when you when you release that finished product, it's like man, it really needs to be um, right. So and level. I know, and I, I and part of it is showrunners too. So I wanted to I wanted to, I wanted to bring this up. So I found this interesting. So um, the boys, right? Netflix show or Amazon, Amazon show, yeah. and and we are critical of Wheel of Time because Wheel of Time is also an Amazon show, but really it's like a Sony yeah. show that's yeah. on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got a one-star review uh, for their most recent season, which is absurd. Their most recent season is like the most, it is absolutely insane. I yeah. don't feel comfortable talking about it because I know we have little kids that listen and they should not right. watch it. I mean, whatsoever. No. No, <laughs> should not. Not. I mean, it's like, it's insane. Right. Um, but anyway, so they have been posting tweets uh, like, like making fun of people giving them one-star reviews. So it's like, here's a one-star review. It's like, each season gets worse. Very political and very anti-male, which it's definitely not. Right. Um, you know, plenty of uh, male butts, right? And other stuff on there. Other, right, other right. stuff, too. Then the top two, like, comments are from actors in the show making fun of it, too. Yeah. And so I just found this interesting because we've talked about the idea of, like, toxic fand- fandom and stuff yeah. like that. And here you have Amazon. Just playing it off and making and just being like, yeah, whatever. If you don't like our show, haha, like that's funny. Whatever. Here we go. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. Whereas Disney on the other side is like, yo, you're a toxic fan. Yeah. Like, because I have a lot of comments and I don't want to name names, but I like I I open, especially right now, because Thor is getting criticized. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people are debating how good is it and stuff like that, as well as like ranking the, the MCU and stuff like that. And, Literally, there's a comment. I will not name names. Um, as knows who I'm talking about. Just a friend of ours. I don't want to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who, who? But, uh, but other people. Uh, there's other comments like this. Hers just happens to come to mind. Where it's like, yeah. oh, these must be the same people that criticized the Last Jedi that didn't like Thor: Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. And so that's like the initial place that it goes. Whereas here's an here's like other companies doing their thing, and it's just like, okay, yeah, whatever. You don't like it? That's fine. Haha, <laughs> that's yeah, fine. Like, I mean- it's it is a disney it is a disney thing and but it's like so i don't know man because i see people criticizing star wars theory and i see people criticizing other people who were who were sort of like pushing back on kenobi and push back on some of these star wars things and 
for whatever reason, there is this enormous divide in Star Wars. But ultimately, what I'm beginning to realize more than anything is that it actually does come down to showrunners. Because, like, why is it that Boba Fett and Mandalorian, I don't know, we didn't, we didn't see those things. Yeah, yeah. Well, a- another thing, just real quickly to get to the core and to kind of, um, uh, as you're laying this out here, I'm, I'm thinking about it. It's almost like when a criticism comes to you, the showrunner or the company or whatever, you want to say, well, then you must be, I'm going to take, you're criticizing it, so you automatically go into this category. Whereas the other ones are really like, all right, cool. And they're kind of rolling with it. They're not finding a reason for your criticism. You know, they're not making right. up like a thing. And that's, there's so many people who are going to criticize Disney regardless of what they do. And we're not really talking about those people. <laughs> so that they're in every fandom. They're in every, that's the, the, the tweet that the boys uh, shared there, right? That's just right. somebody who wants to be kind of like different than everybody else and not, not, you know, wants to find something to be controversial and say it. That's fine. Right. And th- the way they handle that is kind of right. funny. You know, you so, can with it. So it's, uh, it's how you handle it. It's right. And, and so, and the um, piece, the peacemaker, which is Warner brothers. So they're like two totally different companies. Yeah. They shared a similar thing and they like they they found like two one star reviews for each of their shows and yeah. tweeted it at the boys, the boys, like, you know, ultimately Amazon. And was like, which one do you think is yours and which one do you think is ours? And so like <laughs> then they were like, then they joked off of it, too. And it's just like it's just so much better of a response. Yeah. And this you're sort just, of like coming out and being yeah. like, well, you're just toxic. Yeah, it's it's. There's really no reason to even go there. If you saying positive, always just going forward, like when it was uh, Moses Ingram and stuff like that, you're simply just saying good stuff and putting out good stuff and always just remaining right. high and positive is is good. But when you do go to well, so if you think this, then you're in this category, or you think that you're in this cat. That does that starts to to create though. It, it helps to, and the, then you know. you're gonna have this divide that just everyone's gonna argue the entire time. Yeah, you start to identify. You start to jump on one or one or the other sides, and it's like we have vastly different like directors and teams, even inside Disney, working on stuff, and then different companies and stuff. And so, PR and and what you put out there and everything is is important. It helps sort of because because now you like it almost feels like the person who's running that Twitter account. And we've talked about this with with Wheel of Time, like what you know, like they they're so much more it's so bad. Yeah, they they, they it's just so it, bad. Yeah, <laughs> like. It's, it's, it's just hokey as all get out and you're not doing yourself any favors in terms of like trying to build a brand. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always just feel like comedy and positive energy. I mean, yeah, clearly it, if, if something's going on, you need to respond to like, you know, a world event or, or a racist issue or whatever. You can make your statements. Every company does that. They put out their, their whatever. But when you're like responding to people or sharing stuff or you're in the comments, of other people's tweets where they are kind of highlighting right. a creator Just, like star Wars theory or other people that they're saying this guy's toxic. And then they jump in the comments on that. Not that that was yeah. the exact situation. It was another content creator, but right. still the whole point is like, I would just venture be above that. You don't need to let, let the fans do what they're going to do. Like if they're going to do it anyway, they're going to go after that person and they're going to do their thing. And you don't need, you don't need to play into it. You're, 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 you're above it. So that's weird. It's a little bit weird. It's just, it's, it's, it's so it's it's so bizarre. Yeah. 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 I know. Just, I know. It, it it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's interesting. So okay, and we'll probably come back, you know, because Andor is going to be coming out. We're going to be facing all sorts of uh, you know similar discussions. Andor, and, and, you know, Andor. I actually, oddly, I feel pretty good about Andor. 
Yeah, I think it's going to kind of blow us away. They seem. I think it's just because the expectations are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With with Obi Wan, we sort of had specific expectations, especially since they built us up, right? Mm -hmm. Which also, by the way, Disney has a track record of building something up to not be what it was, like The Force Awakens. Luke's guy. Um, right, exactly. Uh, (laughs) and so Andor is kind of like I think that's one of the best things about Rogue One is everyone's like their expectations were were so different going into it. So right. Right. Yeah. What's this going to be? And then you're then word of mouth starts to go like, you got to go check this out. This thing was not what I expected. And it has that effect. I think Andrew will have that effect, too. And then, hey, the thing is, like, if it's if it's subpar or just average, you're going to be like, all right, cool. That was Andor, you know, and it, it won't really affect us as much because of the kind of sandbox you're playing in there. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, OK. One more thing here. Well, we had a couple more things here about uh, something new. We want to switch gears just a little bit. Darth Revan is canon. So the thing is now, I, I just saw this. Um, he's been canon. Uh, he was canon back in the day in the EU. We've got video games. We've got whatever. And even as Disney retook over the product, he's been mentioned in different uh, resources or whatever. But in the new, and I've, I've not, I just wanted to drop this, get your guys' thoughts, comments on it. So this will be a, a short little topic here. But Shadow of the Sith, uh, which as we are in this law, we are kind of Matt and I are going to start kind of reading that and listening to it. And, and we'll talk more about some of the stuff that kind of comes out of it because uh, it, it looks cool. And clearly they're dropping stuff like this. They've got Palpatine's son in it. Uh, they've got some interesting things that are going on with the Sith. And I think maybe trying to firm up uh, what that occult type of like the Sith acolytes and the and the, the faith surrounding the, the Sith on Exegol and stuff. It's. That seems to be more what they're talking about there. But we're going to get into it. If you've read it and you have comments, you want to leave some spoiler comments down below, go ahead, mark a spoiler, uh, and we can kind of talk with you guys down there in the comments as we get um, going in the reading of this. But just kind of coming out today, uh, I saw another content creator who said, Darth Revan is canon, and he's mentioned at, in, in Exegol. Like, he's in, like they chant his name. Uh, he's more kind of prevalent in this book, which I guess, you know, the more you hear about a character in a book or a comic, and then we're even on a TV show and then in a you know big show picture or a TV, they, they become more and more solidified in what you would call kind of canon. When they're in when they're when it's one line in a reference book or whatever, you're sort of like, OK, is that really does that make that is his whole story back is like, what is his story? He, he as a character is alive um, or was alive in this new canon. Does that mean that? Because weren't they bringing back a video game too? Weren't they gonna? No, no, they're just they're not redoing it, but they're they're no, they're remaking Knights of the Old Republic. Remaking it, okay, yeah, it's a yeah. it's a full remake, I, and I don't think we will see it anytime soon. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. But I think just when that came out, the excitement about um, Revan and just this whole story and this whole arc, right. or whatever, was was pretty interesting. So this was encouraging to hear that they're willing to do this kind of stuff because the best thing that they did for Rebels and the best thing that they did, I think, in terms of. Um, uh, they even the, the the prequel era was to bring Thrawn back and to say no Thrawn is canon. Now his story is a little bit different. Some some elements of it will be the same. We're even bringing in the same creator Timothy Zahn to kind of rewrite some of this, and that again gave Timothy Zahn something to do and gave him all these other books to write for canon, which was pretty cool. And I respect that. I think that was a really good move, um, especially for somebody who loved Legends and you enjoyed it. Now there's this whole new arc that is done by the creator of the original character. So. I don't know. You know, again, if you, you as we get into we were talking about uh, Taika's film, we were talking about the possibility of an old Republic series or whatever they might do. It, it's just cool to know that he's there and that he is a part of Sith culture 
and is someone that was worshipped essentially on on Exegol. Now, in that book, they even sort of hint that he might, his body might be there. That would be different than what happened in Legends, but it's more like there's a sh- like a statue or a shrine to him there, and even even the Sith who worship him might not have known of his redemption arc, if you will, which is what we had in the video game series and so on. So, cool mention, just a cool thing I wanted to kind of bring up and talk to you guys about. I think anytime you hear about Darth Revan, the fandom gets excited. And that's where I'm sitting over here saying Matt and I could pitch to you a hundred ideas that would excite the fandom, that would light people up, and you just have to go do them. They're, the money is literally just sitting there. There is no reason they couldn't announce a Darth Revan series or an older public series. The fandom would go crazy, and you really can't mess it up very much. I mean, I guess you could if you don't write with the with the right. end in mind. <laughs> Did you, by, which, by by the way, they hold on. They can always mess it up. <laughs> I can always mess it up. I mean, the the you're it's it's more difficult to mess up, but yes, they could still do it. It's like it's wild. I think it's safer. I'm like, man, guys, just like that would be something that would really excite the fandom, and I feel like they should um, they should definitely de- definitely check into that because it's cool. It's cool to hear that he's back. Matt and I love playing that game back in the day, and whenever that uh, sort of remake happens, we'll definitely be streaming it and talking about it. Yeah, I think I think it's a few years away. Um, yeah just i yeah a lot of the big star wars games that that other one god what was that it was like that interactive story oh. game star wars eclipse eclipse yeah. yeah yeah they've said that's like that game actually might not even happen they've said it was which is crazy because we saw an awesome trailer for it but yeah um, i know they said that's they themselves have said like yeah you're looking at like 2027 okay wow yeah wow. well i mean you know maybe they are working on something you wonder if there is like a deep deep project where they're like we need a phase one we need you've got mando you're you're already in in the works on that but if you're if you're disney and you're lucasfilm you would want to plan your own something that like yeah you would you would (laughs) and we want to be in on that That doesn't mean that does not mean they are (laughs) i know which is going to transit i'm going to transition that into our next topic here in a second uh because i really feel like there's a lot of opportunity for that series and it's all fresh ground i mean you know, again, you'll have people saying, well, that didn't happen in Legends. It didn't happen. Whatever. That's fine. But you could actually pull a lot from Legends with new people doing that stuff. And you're good. I feel like that was the benefit of going to the the High Republic is that you're going to this fresh sort of ground that you can do a lot of different things. And, and we all don't really know what happened during that time period. We see more Jedi and that's all cool. Now, this would be the older Republic would be even further back in time, way far back. So thousands and thousands of years back. So. And how does that uh, connect? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And making little like, like little references or allusions to things to come in um, Phantom Menace or whatever, or the rule of two, whatever you want to set up, you know, if you want to do anything like that or Sith Emperor, whatever it might be, I think would be really cool. So, yeah, leave us your thoughts on on Darth Revan coming back. And I think that's um, kind of just a cool, cool little uh, news drop. OK, my friend, I have something that I didn't put in the doc here that I want to talk with you about. J.J. Abrams came out and said in an interview recently, and I don't know if you can find this, he said that he was, and I believe was reflecting a little bit on Star Wars and his time in the sequels. He said having a plan and knowing the end game, I'm, I'm summarizing here, is extremely important in whatever you do. And I don't think he was saying it in defense of what he did, I don't think he was saying it. I think he was just sort of, well, I guess maybe he kind of was. 
but not saying that he didn't have a plan, just more that like the people he was working for maybe did not have an end game. And like you said, with, with how you respond to stuff, I at least appreciate Kathleen Kennedy for coming out and saying, hey, we've learned some stuff along the way. I think there's more that could have been said. Maybe there was more that was said in that Variety interview. I'm not sure. I like to give her credit where she deserves credit. And then when there's things that's like, hey, even if it's not you, Kathleen, who is appointed over, over the sequels? Like you're a producer. Like who's the overseer of that story? And so this came out. I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember exactly where it's at. I'll try to find it and put a link down here for you guys or whatever. Uh, just his interview where he was talking about this recently. But again, he came back to the idea that planning and knowing like something in advance, like knowing where you're going in your storytelling is so important. And that's where I feel like I was excited to know that uh, Stuart Beatty in the Kenobi series had planned out like a trilogy and they had this idea. It's what makes me excited for a potential Kenobi season two. If they were to do it, it's risky. But if he had a plan and there's ideas, and there's been a lot of thought on it, then that's a good thing. And you kind of need to know where you're going. Um, like you, you, you drop these, these names in Kenobi, like Quinlan Voss, uh, you set up the path and you, you, you do all these things in a series. Is that done with the intention of making connections to other projects? Because one of the things that Dave Filoni did with Deborah Chow was sit down and, and, uh, Ewan actually said this. He said, thankfully, Deborah knew how everything was connected and sort of had a better understanding of where things were going to be and understood their role and their place and what they needed to emphasize that would kind of bear fruit later on in other projects. The biggest problem with the sequels is that what was done in one film did not bear fruit in the next film and then onward, you know, and that's the problem is that you're not setting, uh, you're not planting a seed that it, they're planting seeds all over the place and they're not growing at all. They're not watering them. They, we never know what happens to them. And that's the problem that we faced in the sequels. And we said, you know, months ago, we were going to kind of move away from this. But again, I just saw uh, somewhere. And again, I'll link it down below. Just this idea that JJ came out and said, it was probably asking an interview somewhere uh, about it. And I was like, wow, there we go again with just, yeah. he, he no, he's acknowledging that very thing, which is that like, I, I had a role. I was paid to come in and direct a film and I set up a lot of different things. I was not right. told where it was going to end or what the end would be. And that's a problem. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it is okay to sort of come in and do the first movie and see how well does this do? And then let's sure. go from here, yeah. which is what he did. Yeah. Yeah. That's why with force awakens, we don't, we don't critique as right. much. We're kind of, uh, yeah. we don't now, should you have still had a, a forthright plan, somebody along the way and said, here's what we, here's, here's what we need for all three movies. And this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because you look at what Marvel does, where you have Kevin Feige as this overseer who's like, well, this has to connect here, 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 and here. And then you begin to look at the tiny details. And, dude, it's insane. As yeah. they have stuff they have connected, like tiny little details from, like, the Shang-Chi movie connects all the way back to Iron Man. Yeah, dude. Like, and yes. it's just yeah. it's, it's insane. Yeah. Whereas, like, the Star Wars sequels, the main plot doesn't even uh, connect, which is right. absurd. A problem. Yeah. It, it's absurd. <laughs> yeah. So it is okay, I think, in one sense to say, hey, we're going to do movie one and then see how it does, and then we can adapt from there. Of course, the big problem with the – it is okay to go down that route. The problem arose when the guy who's writing movie three wanted to work with the guy who's writing movie two, and the guy who's writing movie two said, too bad. Yeah. Weird. That's, that, was the, that was the issue. Yeah, and it's 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 weird too because actually right the guy the who was writing movie two real quick 
yeah. said said to the guy who's writing movie one hey i need can i do this and he said yeah so i know not that, willing to do that for movie three because i'm writing my own movie which yeah. is why i right the, pin, the original I director pin, of nine. i pin the blame and we've said this more and more i pin the blame on ryan johnson yeah and the other even thing too, even outside of real quick just sorry yeah. oh, even right. outside like it's it's fine to do the things that like the things that ticked everyone off like killing luke and all these other things. Sure. That's fine. Yeah. As long as you make it make sense. Mm -hmm. But you weren't willing to let somebody else do, make the changes that have a sort of a say in it. Uh, yeah. You told JJ, it has, can you do this? Cause so I can have it. But then you should at least explain to Colin Trevorrow, who's writing nine, this is why it'll make sense. And can you adapt this into your movie? And then that's fine. But then it's a big jumbled mess and it doesn't make fucking sense. Yeah, I know. The thing is, so it's the idea that like you have uh, it, all the actors talked about it, which was like he very much was like, I'm writing my movie and I'm doing my movie this way. This is where he was a very strong willed kind of director and said, I have a good story. I have a good script. I have good whatever, but not thinking there's something beyond this and right. not understanding like. Okay, well, what if you were to write the next movie after this? And literally, that's what he said. He was given the opportunity, and he said, no, no, uh-uh. That's right. not my job. That's not what I was hired for. I was hired to come in and do this one right. movie. And you could say it's which is then, Which is then the blame on the person on, who hired them. Exactly. And what I was, what I was driving to was, I feel and then like. The blame on the person who hired them. Because at the end of the day, yeah. you oversee the whole thing. I know, I know, I know. And that's what I was driving to is that, like, around this time, right as we're going into solo the original directors were fired right rogue one they went to gareth edwards and they actually said hey we're the studio came which is kathleen kennedy by the way um right. came in and said i don't like what's going on here i don't like a, a lot of these things and he what they said i remember this quote played ball he said that he said i was very much willing to work with them to make the best movie possible and i i, I heard their agenda went back to the drawing board and a couple things were kind of reworked in Rogue One. That's great for Gareth. That's why he stayed on. That's why he stayed on. Whereas Lord and Miller were fired. And so something was going on that Alden was all the actor came out and said, this is a problem. And they already had a pretty stubborn director in Ryan Johnson. There's too many fires going on. And that is a problem in terms of who you're hiring and what's going on. And that's why it matters, like who you pick to direct films and who you pick to lead these projects matters. And then that comes down to Kathleen, president of Lucasfilm um, to like go in and Sometimes she did. I feel like maybe she believed in Ryan Johnson and believed in his creativity and thought this was going to go in a new direction and felt good about that. But then when I actually honestly believe that afterwards, and I just go off of the interviews and the things that you've seen, I think she went back to him later and said, hey, Ryan, that was, look, we're all blown away by the visuals and what you did and everything. There hadn't been a lot of time to really digest it. And right. she's like, what's next? Because Colin Trevorrow is upset. We're not, he's not, we're not able to do this. And he was like, I'm out, Kathy, I'm out. Right. I did. I, you yeah. hired me to do the one thing and I'm out. And that's like, that is a problem. So exactly. So you're so on one hand, you're sitting there saying, well, I'm going to go in and make deep story changes to Rogue One and Solo because it doesn't adhere to the Star Wars vision. Right. But you get then you to... don't do that. Yeah. For so to me, I'm sorry. I, I we I, you know, criticize me all you want. But the blame is ultimately with Kathleen Kennedy and yeah. Bob Iger because because Bob yeah. Iger hired her to do a job and it, it runs up the chain, which is how it ultimately sure. works. Every company, right? As you're a teacher. Like, yeah. As you're a teacher. If 
if you know if a teacher goes in and he's doing a terrible job whose job is it to go who who who's to blame it goes right the, at the principal. Prin principal principal because the principal yeah. hired him exactly okay well then who you know if the principal You're is hiring all of, if the if the principal is hiring all these awful awful teachers well yep. who's yeah. who's responsible for hiring that principal the superintendent exactly goes right so, on so who hired the superintendent just, the board you know, the, right. the board hires him, you know, who voted for the board right. the people, right? You know, so. exactly. Well, the governor, he's the one in charge of the education. Yeah. So I mean, like, that's how it works is ultimately like, yeah, it does. I know. Yes, you can have bad employee, but right. well, it still works up the chain. So I hate to say this, but then in defense of Ryan Johnson, what we said back in the day sometimes was like, he came in and he was like, you told me I could do, I can do this. That's yeah. not on me. You guys need to figure this out. No one hmm. told me what the end game was supposed to be. So I just went and made my movie. So that's why I, I listen to people who are kind of pro Ryan Johnson. And I, by the way, I've watched his other movies and he's a great, he has great movies and great directors, but I'm a little salty about the, this whole idea because people weren't willing to work with one another and there wasn't an end game. JJ came out and said that. So that's kind of why I brought it up again. Cause I'm like, this is news as of like this last week. Right. And it's crazy that that's even right. still being talked about. It's such a fumble. And I'm glad to see them move on and go with Dave Filoni and John Favreau and start to maybe even consider like a Kevin Feige coming in and doing more right. stuff because yeah, she's, I just read, I she's just, a hire of, of creatives and right. she's not, I feel like she's, she's trying to juggle a ball. She's trying to, you have all these things going on and she's not intricately she's also involved, involved in, yeah. you know in what I mean? The, in the, in the creative of it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I still don't get how one side does it and the other side can't but I, I don't i don't get it yeah in the same umbrella yeah same same thing yeah so all right anyways that came up today sorry guys it's one of those things that like if when it comes up it's just like uh boils my blood right. a little bit but we're gonna move on to something a little more fun here so here we go will quinlan boss be in the kenobi season two now we're already saying like there is a kenobi we're at we're pretending like there's gonna be a kenobi season two and the only reason that this has gotten some momentum or some fuel it's it's a, a search term that's uh you know kind of um the search volume for it is, is up over on YouTube because of the Obi-Wan trilogy writer, Stuart Beatty, uh, who came out and said he had three movies. And essentially what we saw in the first season uh, was was his first movie. So which is wild. I, I actually have a, the, our next topic is something really cool that he had penciled down. Uh, the next two actually were things that were cut from it that we're going to talk about. But why drop Quinlan Voss? Like why drop his name in this if you're not going to do something with him? Like, is it just to do it? This is where I go back to having a plan. What are they? And I'm, you know, when we all theorized about Snoke and Ryan Johnson came out and said, your Snoke theories suck, right? Is what he said. Well, he says that is a defense mechanism because there was no plan for Snoke. So we all were right. trying to plan and, and make predictions on something that you had no intention of even having a plan on. So that's a problem. So we're back now to the drawing board where we're like, okay. We, we think Disney's learned you know, from that a little bit, and they're name-dropping Quinlan Voss. So what's their plan for it? What's their plan for the path? Cal Kestis, Reva, you introduce these characters. Do they ghost? Are they just now going to drift into comic books, and it's just more fuel for your comic book thing, and it was just sort of fun to, to, to give us a, a, a moment in Kenobi? So that's what I, I worry about is just don't do something to make it a moment. Like You're playing in a, in a sandbox that's between three and four, and what JJ found out in rise of Skywalker and what he came back and said is everything matters in star Wars. All these things matter. Uh, you have to like, it's attention to detail is, is important. The fans care about Luke's Luke, Luke tossing that lightsaber. Uh, they care about the reason why 
They care about the characters. They want to know what they're facing, what they're going through, and where they're going to go. So I just think it's interesting that he's name-dropped, and it could be nothing, and maybe you don't have to. Maybe I'm blowing it up like it's more more than it should be or whatever because there's little Easter eggs in everything that you do, whether it's uh, the Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, or whatever, but that is what writers and what, I guess, creatives would want to do. We talked about this with our good friend George R. R. Martin in Game of Thrones. Leave yourself some doors. Leave yourself an avenue or a path that you can kind of come back to or move forward with and the most intriguing thing is like are they planning something with reva quinlan um obi-wan the setup with qui-gon or is it just all to make one really good series and it's all going to kind of drift away i don't know what do you think matt yeah i mean you just you just don't mention quinn you don't mention and he's also he says it as if like it's one thing if you have quinlan boss like you know it's like if it even says just like Quinlan Voss, right? Right, like yeah. in English, so we could understand it. Yeah, it's not, you know. <laughs> um, and he's just like, oh, somebody, you know, look, they're all Jedi, but it says like Quinlan Voss or whatever. Right. It's one thing to do that because then it's just a cool Easter egg. It's yeah. another thing when he directly says, "Oh, Quinlan was here," as if we were supposed to know who he's talking about. Yes, yes, and and again, you go back to in the Clone Wars, this animated series. You've had those kids grow up now, and now they're watching Kenobi. And so when you have a clone trooper, when you have like the likes of Commander Cody or when you have um, someone like Quinlan, it's like, OK, this is more believable. This is tying right into stuff that we know as, as in the animated series, which, again, it doesn't affect the mainstream fans because they're, it, people always think like, oh, you're putting in some some reference to some character I've never heard of. That's literally everything that everything that knew right. that you would go watch does. So, right. It, it like. I mean, Snoke was new to every, all these things like you make new stuff. And if they tie back to o- old stuff, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So that's kind of throw that out the window. But yeah, so Quinlan's mentioned and it's like, this is cool. Um, we're supposed to know or not supposed to know. I'm sorry. It's it, it creates intrigue. And like this is someone that he was significant to Kenobi. He knows him and he's involved in the path. And the path is clearly still operating and they're working on it. So I just find it because he's a very popular jedi in terms of um like legends and lore and and what he did his arc they wrote a whole book i mean dark disciple is all about him the assassination attempt on count dooku and then his love story with ventress and we just had a transmission earlier about the idea that you could bring ventress back right And you could bring her uh, like night sister magic stuff maybe he's gotten involved in that who knows maybe he's going to be an overseer uh who kind of helps roken or whatever to to uh, move these four sensitives to a special place. They're bringing in like Corrin Horn. I mean, Corrin Horn is like mm-hmm. this old Legends character that they have a little boy who they've cast and named and put right in front of Master Haja, and <laughs> he's there. So you're doing those things, which are cool. But I guess I'm back to being hopeful, and I try to look past all the all the lack of planning in in, in the sequels. Sorry, uh, there, there, there's just things that weren't planned out. Um, and I, I, I am hopeful that they are kind of making things connect because Deborah Chow sat down with Dave Filoni and they talked over stuff. They went over things and that's what you want. You want that sort of, hey, can you can you work this in? Because it's going to be significant over here. And if we could drop this in like in proximity close to Kenobi and we know in terms of numbers, we're going to get a lot of people coming to see this thing. It's going to help us set up something in the future that's pretty cool. Yes. And then a director kind of needs to know that so they can emphasize that in in the storytelling. Otherwise you just leave them as a name on the wall and it's not that right. big of a deal, but there's some sort of tie in to either the video game, a book that they're going to release uh, a Kenobi season two and or, or, Oh, Mando I think we'll three. see him. 
I think we'll, I think we will. I think we'll physically because it's, it's yeah. again, it's one thing you can do a comic or something where Quinlan's in a cave or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just it, it you just don't I just don't think you you show that. Without connecting it to TV. Yeah. Yeah, that'd sure. be like that'd be that'd be like Ahsoka saying, "Where's Grand Admiral Thrawn?" and then you never doing anything with it. Oh, it was an Easter egg. You know what yeah, I mean? It's I know just, that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's cool. I, I guess I kind of want to get your guys' um thoughts on that. Like, what do you think the story could be for Quinlan? Uh, do you think he's you know reflected anymore on the loss of interest or being tempted by the dark side or feels some you know regret and wants to kind of help out with um with the path? You know, I've often thought like with Reva's story, just like Tala, Tala had. You know, whether you like it or not, or you like these characters or whatever, she has the 14 marks on her holster where she tried to, again, get 14 people through to sort of redeem herself because she just watched these other people, families be murdered. Uh, does Reva feel some sort of thing where she needs to kind of go help Cal Kestis or Roken or Quinlan and make up for what what happened? So I kind of weave that in there with Quinlan just just as for kind of food in terms of what what could happen you know because they've done it in the in book of boba fett where it's like you have three episodes or four whatever it was of boba fett and then you have like two episodes of just like luke skywalker and mando and grogu and ahsoka and all these different characters so even if they did a kenobi season two they i would it's almost like false advertising saying it's like a kenobi season two and then you do like a two two episode arc of quinlan boss doing something and that way you don't have kenobi doing a whole bunch of stuff not that that's what i want but Disney's sort of shown that they've done that. Hopefully they look at the response to that and they, they don't go that route. So it's just intriguing. I guess it's intriguing because Stuart Beatty's idea for the second evolution of Obi-Wan was, he said the quote was to come to terms with his mortality and that like he will die self-sacrifice. Um, like he's gotten his, he's got the hello there vibe back. Right. And Kenobi is sort of beyond, um, where like he, he's not lost anymore he has a direction he feels some purpose so now it's sort of like preparing for that moment in episode four and again this is from his words this is what he was thinking about in terms of that second movie he doesn't even mention the third because he was not that far along he was still drafting again the first movie but um it just makes me think that there might actually be a season two because of how far along he was in terms of his thinking but then they abandoned that idea and they're they're listening to you know, criticism, looking at ratings and reviews and numbers. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see him. Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we're getting a Kenobi season two. Matt doesn't but, think it's happening. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And again, it's just because I think we're going to see Kenobi and a bunch of other stuff, other stuff. Yeah. Which I'm down for. And we talked about earlier. And I think again, that would be, that would be a cool, safer way to, to kind of do it uh, for sure. So now here we go. Obi-Wan Kenobi is attacked by Luke Skywalker during a Force vision. This is interesting, and I want to kind of read this to you guys and, and, and talk about this. Uh, so Stuart Beatty came out, and he's dropped a lot of these different things that were going to be in his movie that are fascinating. So one of them, you remember how in Episode 5, Luke goes into the cave. Uh, Yoda's talking about it. What is it? There's a sort of like Force nexus of energy and he sees himself as Darth Vader and it's really like Yoda says he says what's in there and Yoda says only what you take with you right so what so really those force visions are like what's going on inside of you that the dark side is going to try to use against you 
and overcoming those fears. And that's sort of a, a trial in a way, if you will. So Beatty, again, is talking to the direct where he sort of reveals that Obi-Wan found um, the group that, that Obi-Wan found refuge with in his script uh, worshipped a goddess. They worshipped a goddess that was, in fact, actually the Force. Obi-Wan determined that what they're worshipping is really just an aspect of the Force. <clears throat> so while not exactly Jedi in the traditional sense, they'd have powers that would have resulted in Obi-Wan having a very unique vision. So this is something he drafted out. Their leader takes Obi-Wan to their sacred shrine and says, put your hands on here and close your eyes and concentrate and let the goddess talk to you, which is basically the force. The writer explains uh, that Obi-Wan does this. And when he opens his eyes, he's on Mustafar. And it's like, whoa, right? How did he get here? We're transported away really in, I don't know, the, I mean, he's not actually physically there, but it's sort of like, spiritually or whatever he's on like a spiritual realm right. kind of like what we saw in the darth vader comic where he's in uh you know he's, he's in his own castle when he breaks through to another realm and sort of faces all these old his old demons if you will so and he sees a guy so obi-wan sees a guy in a dark robe with a red lightsaber and he's like anakin anakin right and as the guy turns in in his robes and comes up he lifts his lightsaber and you see it's luke mark hamill you know the deep fake whatever 19 years old and so Luke attacks him. Obi-Wan and Luke had this lightsaber battle in mind, which was mirroring, of course, Empire Strikes Back. So whether you think that's cool or not, leave us a comment. Let us know, because there's some things that this writer has dropped that you're like, OK, that's cool. I like that. And there's some things that have been like, I don't know, you know, did this there's there's now that he's leaking some of this stuff. Some people are debating whether or not his, whether his ideas were cooler or whether they would have liked them more and again you have to remember he was in early drafts of all this stuff but he did have one he did have some writing he did have things drafted out and they were a go for a long time on the first movie and so like this stuff was close reva is a direct result of his cre like he, he created reva and so i just think it's kind of fascinating because this is the one you know we had heard about like reva sacrificing herself we've heard about um the different ending uh, we've, we've heard about a lot of different things in terms of what he wanted to do in that first movie. And then even maybe with the second movie. So now he's saying that there is a force vision and it does feel like a movie. Like a lot of times we've had five, um, Ray has her force vision mirrors that we don't know still what all that kind of, uh, symbolized people suggest different things, but Obi-Wan is attacked by Luke Skywalker during a force vision. Let me read one more thing here too, as, as we go, uh, he says this, so. Yeah, apparently this, this vision would have ended with Luke almost killing Obi-Wan and the Jedi Master realizing that if he doesn't overcome his guilt and if he puts that on Luke's shoulders, then he would turn to the dark side. That if Luke, that if he doesn't overcome his own guilt and he puts that into his training with Luke later, that would result in Luke turning to the dark side. We know Luke was tempted by that on, on more than one occasion. So this possible future... Um, you know, it's, it's sort of out there and it's just something you know, we have stuff in legends where Luke does turn the dark side or whatever, you know, crazy right. stuff. Uh, so this sounds kind of crazy, but it's one of the many ideas that Lucasfilm ultimately decided against, including, uh, you know, deciding to go with the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series. So I don't know. What do you think, man? Ooh, interesting. Um, yeah, in interesting. The idea of Obi-Wan getting attacked by a dark side Luke in a in a force vision. Yeah. I do think that, you know. One of the things we talked about, if they do a potential season two for Obi-Wan, would be him learning, you know, 
the ways of the force that will ultimately cause him to become one with the force in episode four. Right. Do we need a full season of that? Right. right. Yeah. Or do you sort of just make Obi-Wan a main character again and like Andor or something? Uh, yeah. I think to continue his story. Uh, but it is, it, uh, it is interesting. That would have been a lot had that been in season one, I think. Like, we're, yeah. we're now we're like really jumping because season one already had a lot. Of, we've already talked about if they did a movie, there's a lot we would actually trim out. Right, right. And it felt like in, in season one, they took his big points, which which he's what he's credit credited for is one and then episode one and then five and six. And so it's like two, three, four were not necessarily. I mean, that's all kind of stretch. That's all right. stuff that they added in, which is interesting because that's all like the nerd interest. That's that's all. um Quinlan Voss reference, you know, uh, Tala, right. all those. That's actually, characters. actually, to be honest, that's I would have. That's where I we we've talked about. We would have cut. Yeah, we would have. Yeah, it's two, three, and four. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like you're you're right. It's like that would have been an interesting moment if they could have condensed it to that. But the, I think the idea is like if that were just a moment where he walked into a cave and something like that happened, you could kind of squeeze it in. But we're talking about like a whole different group of people who worship a goddess. See, that's where that's it starts lot. to become like a bigger thing. And I'm like, man, that would have been a lot. That would have been an interesting. How long was this movie going to be? You know what I mean? Uh, was was that maybe his two episode two, three and four, you know, in terms of like runtime and space and, and uh, you know, what he would have done in, in a film. It's wild. It's it's cool to think about, I guess, just that like he's dealing with his inter like his guilt or whatever, because they ultimately kind of did that. Like he Anakin lets, you know, from a certain point of view, tells him like, you didn't kill me. Right. I, I, I did this to myself. Um, whatever. I'm not your failure, et cetera. Almost like letting him off the hook. So it seems like they had different ideas, different ways to kind of go about that. Maybe even though, cause again, Stuart Beatty was credited for that five and six, uh, episode. Sounds like he had him deal with it in this capacity with a force vision. And then also maybe faced Anakin later and, and had him do that as well. So we'll, we'll never really know the, the, the water's kind of muddy on all of that, but, um, I like the creativity. You know, I guess I, mm -hmm. I at least like that. And that would have been shocking for us to see. So it's one of those moments where like, wait, what? Because it does stop you when you're reading the headlines. You're like, wait, hold on a second. Like Obi-Wan is attacked by Luke Skywalker. That can't happen. And then you go back and you look at it. And you're like, that is the kind of creativity that I like, uh, whether you can fit it in with this whole, you know, force group that's worshiping an aspect of, of uh, the force, like some goddess, which is cool because there are different, you know, not, it's not like it's not a bad idea. It's just like when we were thinking in terms of a movie, how do you put all this stuff into one movie? Right. Um, is it a lot? And, you know, as you're writing stuff too, stuff gets trimmed out and gets cut. So he could have tons of of what would have been a, that could have been a deleted scene in his actual movie, too. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, cool stuff. So, yeah, again, just let us know. Would you have liked that? Would that have been cool? Cool addition to the series? Or uh, is it something that you probably would have would have cut? Would you like to see? More of that in the future. Force visions and stuff. I think they're they create a lot of intrigue. So, all right, friends. Uh, here we go. Last topic of the day. Commander Cody was going to be in the Obi Wan Kenobi trilogy. I just want to bring this up because I think it's cool, and I think the idea that um, they had a clone trooper. What was that? Episode two of um, Kenobi, yes. right? Yeah, and it was it had his helmet out there and different things. And we've seen in in Rebels, um, you know, sort of what happens to the clones. We get Rex and. We get more on, on Rex, and Rex is like around, and we all think it's kind of neat just because it's this little Easter egg or whatever, and he, he hangs around. Uh, Commander Cody was the one who fired, right? Ordered ordered the shot on, <laughs> on Obi-Wan. 
So all of these guys deal like dealing with your guilt in the aftermath of Order 66 is kind of cool. You know, I do think them understanding more about that, like Rex, when he first meets Kanan, Kanan doesn't like him in, in uh, Rebels because they betrayed us. We were their superiors, their commanders, their generals, and they shot us down. And all of the clones sort of know once that once they're the mind control of the chip is gone, that's not in their code. Like that's an alternatively programmed thing through a chip. They're manipulated because otherwise that's just that goes against their military code, uh, like right. their, their, their code of ethics. So they feel really sort of bad about that. Um, I guess the way that the writer had this um, detailed out in the trilogy was that like Obi-Wan would have gone, let's say in that, that planet like Dayu to like an episode two or just in the, I guess the second third of his movie and Cody shows up and like has him like a gun pointed to him or something. And he's got him in the, in the back and, and says something to the effect of like um, you're dead or like you're supposed to be dead or something like that. It, or it's one of those things that like, like it right. sounds like he's saying you're dead, but really what he's saying is that like you shouldn't exist. I kill, and it's almost like he and then then you find out Obi Wan turns and they've amended stuff like they have actually met before what we see in the series or in the movie and you realize okay Obi Wan understands the chip thing just like Ahsoka understood she had to kill clones on her way out like uh, and Rex feels great like regret for that uh, in in the chip and everything that was in his mind and she has like a whole like surgery procedure for him right there. Which, I, by the way, I blame Shock T for all of this and, and not having like five. They actually knew about this early on in the Clone Wars and Shock T let it go. So I'm, I'm blaming her. But, you know, it's like it would have been an interesting moment that he so, sort of somehow knows about Obi-Wan and is trusted with the secret that he survived Order 66. And, and he's he's keeping that for him and is somehow like his power, his buddy, you know, because they were friends you know, during the war yeah. and they fought together and stuff. Yeah, I it would have been cool. It, had you had you have. um for one, I mean, this is one of the things we talked about. If there is a Obi, a Kenobi season two, is you could definitely could do a whole thing where you uh, he's hunting him or something. We thought that was actually going to be the case. There was rumors that that actually would have been the case, and originally, now we find out he was going to be part of it. Yeah, um, it would have added more emotional weight, I think, had you had had him and maybe had Obi Wan have to kill him because now yeah. he's got to kill him and he's got to deal with Anakin and he's got to deal with the fact that. He's not protecting Luke. So right. you could have included him, cut out some other stuff, perhaps maybe with Reva. Yeah. And had it a little more Obi-Wan centered. Yep. Yep. Because you could you on you actually could, if you redid this, like they're not obviously they can't now, but if you had yeah, redone this story and it was not if you didn't even have the Reva character, but it yeah. was cody and then yep. cody tells him anakin's still alive and vader then it actually is a much more kenobi centered story yes and then you have him kill cody well how about this i mean so we have in the bad batch right um we have crosshair who wants right. what, what the whole stuff with you know his chip is going all all it takes is for vader and those guys to recruit commander cody or some of the top clones who were commanders right who had a higher rank than the other ones for that just you know again just because they're clones they're not the same that's exactly what the clone Wars shows us is that like they all had different personalities the bad batch clearly also have their own tactics and stuff but like commander cody could have been revered and respected and turned into some sort of right 
uh, special agent or figure yeah. that they had. Now, I, now that I now that I'm thinking about this, I'm gonna have to redo my Kenobi uh, ranking, which was went yeah. from like a seven to like a six point eight. Now yeah. maybe like a six. It's it's like as as you figure out new ideas, where like again we have the idea with like, Leia, yeah, and yeah, yeah. we got the idea with with Cody, and we've got these uh this Force Vision thing. It's like dang, there's some stuff that you can. It is funny, like, you know. It's like when I think about the prequels or I think about the originals, I'm like, man, there's like nothing I would change. I know. Like I just you know what I mean. It's just like I can't even begin to fathom changing stuff that, I, stuff that I would change. I know, isn't that weird? It's I I wonder if it's just sort of our because we, I mean. We like them. I don't feel like a lot of other people, though, do it either. Like, they're like, oh, I would have changed this. And I mean, other than I know. the biggest one we ever hear is like Jar Jar, like you say all the time, which is people want to gripe about nah, that. Jar Jar is important. He is important. I mean, he's he's a big deal. Uh, yeah. What, what did you say to me the other day? That was kind of a change, but it was funny. You said something like, what if they would have had confidence? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like Lorem. sometimes I sometimes <laughs> as and I ask each other like the dumbest what if questions ever, like just stuff uh, that like makes no sense, makes but it's no just sense. funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, funny. what if they had, you know, what if they <laughs> what if what if they had confidence in Chancellor Valorum? Valorum, right? Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like you can't huge, really find huge deal. Yeah, I you mean, then, can't find anything to change, so you find something that's ridiculous that you're like, well, now hold on, what if they would have done this? So it would have taken it would have taken them a lot longer to it would have oh, taken yeah. it totally screws Palpatine's plan. Right, his ascent to power. Exactly. Yeah, he still had been working from the shadows and stuff. Well, war, so, I mean, you know the war, the war with Naboo might have just shut down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's wild. So I mean, but I'm I'm kind of with you in that. Like, you, you brought this up about the Mandalorian, and we'll kind of we'll kind of end this here or whatever. But you people don't criticize the Mandalorian as much. Why? And you when you look at why, you look at like storytelling, good visuals. Yeah, <laughs> you look at um, you also look at like the potential as to where they go. We're not worried about them running into something that happens in the force awakens. We're not worried about them messing anything up in return of the Jedi. It's this really nice spot. Why did, let me look at, okay. Why did George Lucas say, um, I mean, he did say like that when, if he ever were going to do a seven, eight, nine, he would have just wrote his own story. He probably would have pushed legends, Luke Skywalker aside and said, I'm going to do my own thing, which is fine. But what did he let them do? He said, go tell your stories, go, go, go tell those stories in that, region right he didn't he didn't want anything back during the prequel area because he was building that out right then and he said go tell your stories and they're freaking awesome so because you didn't have anything to really run into there you could create a whole using vong war you could go do this whole thing so that is the tricky bit about uh something that kind of is in between these two series although we don't face as much of the same problem in the force awakens because of what they did in the force awakens there's not the, the connections are just you know there's I don't know. It's there's still there's still 30 years. It's also a, a greater time gap than what you have uh, between the 19 years in, um, you know, between three and four. So you've got three decades versus just under two. So anyway, I don't know. crazy, cool stuff. Uh, leave us your thoughts on Commander Cody, you know, kind of being in the Kenobi trilogy or maybe even the future, you know, maybe something. In, he could uh, come back. Yeah, because I think this trended well. I think people were kind of like, wow, wait, they didn't do that, <laughs> you know? They they gave us Reva. What I mean, like they didn't do Commander Cody. It's crazy. So, yeah. All right, friends. Wait. Well, hey, uh, thanks for, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching us over here on on YouTube. We appreciate you guys. Uh, again, send us any of those transmissions at hyperspacehangout at gmail.com. Big ones would be kind of if you have thoughts on Andor. Like I appreciated Andrew's transmission because like it made us think again about the Mandalorian. 
you know, season three right. and connections and stuff like that. So if you guys have theories or anything that you think could, that could tie from the gap between three and four into beyond six, I would love it. I'll read it on the show and we'll talk about it. We don't really care how crazy it is. You know, it's again, you kind of have to get a little crazy and you have to come up with some of these creative ideas like force visions and weird stuff. They've got the way between worlds. You've got stuff with Grogu, who saved him, all that kind of stuff. We've still have a, a lot to kind of talk about. And I think actually Andor is going to open up more doors too uh, for for storytelling in that gap and then connecting to Mando. So yeah, feel free to send us those transmissions at hyperspace hangout at gmail.com. Uh, be sure to check out Matt at super gains bros. Check me out at womp rat underscore two. And we got other projects again, bend the knee covering our um, game of Thrones house. The dragon gonna be coming up here in just a month. We're going to be super busy. So by the way, if you see a little bit of uh, a shift over here on hyperspace, just know we're doing both. We're, we're dropping That's, episodes true. all over the place. So, so don't be alarmed. Uh, if you see something a little delayed or whatever, we're going to get it all out in due time. So it's going to be going to be a crazy time, actually, but it's going to be great. So, all right, friends. Hey, thanks so much. Please like, please subscribe. And as always, may the force be with you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.